Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Time Out with Tim podcast. Now, in this episode, what I'm going to be doing is actually answering a bunch of questions that you guys have asked me in kind of a Q&A format. So I'm going to be posting a smaller video with some of the more interesting questions on the main YouTube channel. And then this podcast is just going to be answering like 30 or 40 questions that I got asked on the Tech with Tim YouTube channel. Uh, and yeah, we're just going to go through that. So I actually have my brother on this podcast. His name is Noah. I'll let him give himself like a slight little introduction, but he's sitting like right across from me in the room and he's going to be the one asking all these questions. He's just picking a few of them from the actual comment section on YouTube. Yeah, for sure. Nice to finally be introduced to the channel, guys. So my name's Noah. I basically just went through Tim's uh, Twitter and YouTube community post, found a couple questions from Twitter, a couple from YouTube. We're just going to ask him to him today and see what, see what he thinks of them. So basically getting right into it here, we have the first question coming from Twitter, and it says here, where do you see yourself in five years? I notice you mostly use and talk about Python. What projects are you currently working on? Okay, so where do I see myself in five years? What projects am I currently working on? So that's a good question. I get asked that all the time. Uh, to be quite honest, my answer is always, I do not know. I have no idea where I'm going to be in five years. And I kind of just feel like, well, as I'm so young, like I'm only 19, it's kind of my opportunity now to just taste and try different things out and see what I like. That's why, you know, I'm starting to work at Microsoft. I'm running this YouTube channel. Uh, to be honest, I see myself in five years probably running some kind of business or some kind of company, something like that. But I also could see myself totally working at a large tech company, you know, like Google, like Microsoft, like Amazon, um, as, you know, some level of software engineer. So definitely something involved with programming and tech, whether that's going to be something I'm doing myself in kind of the education field or my own business or through a big company, I don't know. Uh, and was there a second part to that question, Noah? Or was that uh, a fine enough answer for uh, yes, he said, what projects are you currently working on? What projects on? am I currently working on? Right now, I'm not currently working on any specific projects, like coding projects. Honestly, so much of my time is taken up just by doing this YouTube you know, school that I'm still in right now. Uh, so I have no projects kind of on the burner right now that are going on, but there will be a few that I'm starting to work on. One that's going to be interesting is actually a Tinder swiper, so like an automatic Tinder swiper. I'm going to do a live stream creating that. So I'm going to look out for it, but yeah, that's pretty much the answer for that question there. All right, that's great. So moving on into the next question, Luke from Twitter here says, what tips do you have for young programmers who are looking to improve their skills? Okay, so good question. Uh, really good question, Luke. What tips for young programmers to improve their skills? So as a young programmer, my number one tip for people is just do stuff that you find is fun. Like if you're still in high school or you're still in elementary school or even university for that matter, make sure that when you're coding, you're enjoying your time and you're doing things that are interesting. What I never want to recommend to people that are starting out is to do things that are really hard or get into math or go into super advanced programming because to, oftentimes I see that discourages people. For me, when I was young, I programmed doing like very basic stuff for a really long time. And that's how I got into it because I found programming really fun and I was doing stuff that I really enjoyed. So my number one tip is really just do things that you enjoy, find projects you like working on and do that because that's going to encourage you to learn more. That's going to allow you to practice the skills you already have. And there's no like definitive way to get better at coding. It's different for everyone. So if you're doing things you enjoy, you're going to be coding more, which means, you know, you're going to get better. Awesome. All right. So next question here. Any tips for programmers during COVID-19? It's hard to stay on track and it'll be amazing to hear what you do to get motivated and stay consistent with learning every day. Sure. So I think in programming in tech, I mean, it's kind of assumed that you need to be learning constantly. You need to be picking up new skills, making sure that you're keeping up with the market and all the new technologies that are coming out. I don't think COVID-19 changes anything. To be quite honest with you, COVID-19 has very minimally impacted my life. Uh, most of the time I spent at home anyways, programming in front of the computer. I feel like a lot of you are probably in the same boat as me. So I can't, you know, I understand COVID-19 situation is tough, but I think that you need to approach this as an opportunity, not as a negative. So take it like, hey, this is giving me such a great opportunity to stay at home, to not have to go into the office, to not have to, you know, waste time in other areas. I'm going to take advantage of that and do something with it, work on projects, learn a new skill, do something like that. That's really the only answer I can give you for that because, you know, I don't know your specific situation, but I would say look at something like COVID-19 or anything that is just an issue, a problem, and try to see it in the best possible light, the most optimistic approach, because that's just the best way to take on problems in life, not be like, oh, this is tough. I can't do that. You know, <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of my answer for that. Awesome. All right. So. Roland is wondering, how did you become so good at understanding the logic behind programming, especially in Python games? Sure. sure. So that's a good question. Um, 
this really just comes with practice. I mean, a lot of people don't want to hear these answers, but it's just hard work and a long time doing this. Do you think I was really good at Python games when I started? No, I really sucked. But I started really getting into coding by making Python games. So a lot of people are like, how do you know to program that? I've done that so many times, like a ridiculous amount of times that it's just second knowledge. Like it's just, you know, I just know it. It's just literally like the back of my hand. So I can't really tell you, you know, how did I get good at that? It's just by doing so many Python games, by practicing so much. And I don't think anyone should code as many Python games as I had because it's a little bit ridiculous. But that's how you get good at something is just doing it a ton until you really fundamentally understand everything that's happening. And there's no shortcut to doing that other than making sure when you're working on a project or anything like for that matter, you're thinking about how something works and why it works, not just trying to get it done. Because I see a lot of beginners just copying, pasting code, um, not really understanding certain pieces of logic. For me, any single character, not even line, just character that I put in a piece of code, I want to make sure I understand why it's there and what it's doing. And that's how you're going to get better at programming by you know not allowing yourself to move forward or even put any code in your file unless you understand why that works. So yeah. Awesome. All right. So. Do you think you will ever get bored with programming? And if you do, what will you do after that? Um, I don't think I'll ever get bored, per se, with programming. I think I might get tired of it, which is different in my opinion, because programming to me is not boring. Like, I find it very exciting, actually, which might be interesting to some people. Just solving problems. Like, there's always new problems, always dynamic things. Things are changing. There's always something to learn. It's not boring, but it can be something that gets a little bit exhausting, right? When you're doing it, like every day for eight hours for 10 hours that's your job i could definitely understand when you get home that maybe the last thing you want to do is hop on and start working on some new projects because you've been coding all day so i figure what the second part of that question was uh noah do you want to repeat that just to make sure i stay on track here uh yeah if you get bored with the programming what will you do what, after that? what will i do if i get bored with programming <laughs> probably just talk about programming like i'm doing right now i mean that's kind of the reality right like i'll get bored of actually writing code but that doesn't mean i can't still be involved in the space learn new things talk to you guys make videos make podcasts that's probably what i see myself doing if i get bored of coding and in fact that's sometimes what i do I'll, you know, write two, three hours of code. I'll get bored of doing that or not bored, but tired of it. Maybe like I'm a little bit exhausted and me taking a break is like sitting down and filming a podcast or filming a YouTube video. Uh, but other than that, I mean, like I have a lot of other hobbies and things that I like to to do. So if I wanted to take a small break, I have many other activities I could participate in. Sure. All right. So the next one is three questions in one. I know you've already kind of answered the first one, but if you just want to give a brief little answer for the people who don't know, how did Microsoft hire you? How did they know about you and what was the interview like? Sure. So how did Microsoft hire you? That was question one. Uh, okay. So how did they hire me? That's kind of an interesting phrased question. But essentially, I got an interview uh, somewhat through YouTube. So someone through from Microsoft actually reached out to me for an unrelated matter. Like They didn't want to hire me for a job. They just wanted to ask me a few questions about my YouTube channel and my preference in terms of actually IDEs. So why I wasn't using VS Code in my videos. Um, so I responded to them. Eventually, at the end of like a long email chain, we had a really good conversation. I said, hey, do you know any recruiters? He said, yeah, hooked me up with one of them, passed the interviews, and that's how I got a job at Microsoft. How are the interviews? The interviews were tough, I won't lie. The first interview I had on the phone was very easy, super trivial problem. Even like a beginner programmer should hopefully be able to understand and explain and do the problem that I had. But the on-site interviews I had, so I had three of those, so one phone screen and then three on-site interviews, were definitely tough. The first question I had was like, you know, a medium based question. Again, I've talked about this a ton in other podcasts as well, but just like a medium programming question, something you should have been prepared for, which I was, which I answered pretty easily. Second question I had was like kind of a design question. So designing Minesweeper, that was not a difficult problem, but it was more of a design problem. So it was how do you approach that? How do you create the classes? What is your thought process more than getting like a specific answer? So that one was interesting. I thought, I mean, I did well on that interview things went well and then the last interview I had was the hardest one by far I know people say like oh you know if someone says they got a leak code hard for their interview it was actually a medium I promise you guys the question I got was a difficult question like I rank it as a leak code hard if it was on algo expert I'd rank it as a very hard question uh, I can't share it with you because the person who asked it to me has like this is their own question they've created so I can't tell you about that specific question or what it was uh, but it was like a recursive 
some kind of recursive algorithm that was just very tough to implement. So anyways, that was how my interviews were. Uh, they were stressful. It was three in a row and they were each an hour. So I had like, you know, two or three minute break between the interviews. Uh, so just imagine, you know, speaking and writing out code on the whiteboard for that amount of time, you know, it gets stressful, but I was well prepared, did well. And obviously, you know, I got hired. So I think that answered all the questions. Uh, yeah, he actually has two more. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Three parts. So could you recommend some resources about Python, not only documentation and courses, but also about practice? Okay. So resources for Python. This one's always interesting because some people think I just have like a library in my house and I just read like amazing, like crazy amounts of Python books. I really don't read many books at all. Uh, I've started doing that more now. Uh, I understand the value behind that. But in terms of resources for me, I've always just been someone who just went and figured stuff out. Like for me, I learned how to make iOS apps when I was like 15, not by ever watching an iOS tutorial, but by literally just booting up Xcode and then whenever I needed to do something, just looking up specifically how to do that. Python was similar. I mean, I learned that in high school uh, through a formal class, but I also just did, I think it's called Code Academy to learn the very basics. So that's usually what I'll do is I'll watch like a tutorial series in two times speed or go through like a quick uh, language recap or something like that. Just because I'm so good now at picking up languages, I know the fundamentals so well that I don't need, you know, like a five hour course to teach me a language. I just need to see the syntax and then practice it. So I can't really recommend you any resources. I mean, like online is literally what I say. Just if you want to learn something, just Google it, find resources that work well for you because it's different for everyone. So sorry if I can't give you more help with that, but that's my way of learning things. It's just going online, finding resources that I find are valuable for me that aren't necessarily valuable for you. And I know my style of learning really well, so I can pick that out really easily. But my resources are probably not going to be the same thing that you would want to use if you were starting right from the very beginning. I mean, unless you're just watching like my tutorial videos or something like that. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. So final one. Can you give us any advice about how to start with machine slash deep learning? Yeah. So this is a tough one. Um, a lot of people get into machine learning and AI and I guess what you're talking about really early. And for me, I didn't start touching that stuff until I was already really good at programming. And I think a recommendation would be to make sure you feel really confident in programming before you go into deep learning and AI it's kind of misleading because this beginning when you're starting your journey in and I think that's what you're asking it uh there's like algorithms and data structures and things you're learning that are pretty easy to understand um, and you might feel like you're really getting it and it makes sense and you're doing this deep learning but that's just like the very beginning as soon as you start getting a little bit more difficult what I see happen a lot is people that don't have a really strong programming foundation already get lost because now not only are they dealing with really complex things like really complex algorithms methods of deep learning and AI but they're learning with trying to code as well so they're trying to understand what this code does because they don't understand basic Python code and how the AI works and it's just too much at once and a lot of people get discouraged so to get started with machine learning and AI might seem counterproductive to say this get really good at programming in the language that you're gonna do machine learning and AI in. That way, when you start learning it, like I did, it's not going to be a big obstacle. Uh, but if you want like a formal step to really get into it, start with the fundamental core learning algorithms, which are linear regression, clustering, uh, like forms of supervised machine learning. So like, you know, uh, K-means, like K-means clustering. Uh, what else is there? There's K-nearest neighbors. And then we have like support vector machines and stuff like that. Understand the math and the basic implementation of those. And then from there, you can get into deep learning. Please don't touch deep learning as your first thing in machine learning. That's just going so above, far and beyond that you're not even understanding what AI and deep learning and machine learning is if that's the first thing that you decide to learn. So that's my answer for that one. All right, awesome. So the next one coming from YouTube as well. What will you suggest to the beginners who are stuck in the tutorial hell? All right, so tutorial hell. This is a common one. Uh, I think this one was upvoted quite a bit. And yeah, so this is a tough one. So a lot of people, and I'm just going to kind of summarize what I mean by tutorial hell and what I think this person is saying is when you you can program but you can only do so when you're following along with a guide or following along with the tutorial video and what happens is you know you've been learning programming for three months but your idea of learning programming is just watching a ton of tutorials copying and pasting the code and not really retaining anything just like copying stuff down so how do you get out of that is what he's asking again that's tough the way that I recommend doing that is working on projects. Now, a lot of people get upset at me when I say this. Like, well, I don't know what to work on. I'm not good enough to work on projects. And that's where I say, 
why does it matter? I'm like, do you need to make a full-scale web app? No. Do you need to completely finish a project? No. The idea being, start something independently, get as much done as you can, and figure things out as you go. You're going to realize, like, you, like a lot of people say, well, it's too overwhelming. Like, they look, they think of a project and like, well, I don't know how to do that, like, and they don't even start. Just start. Literally, just start. That's that's my tip. Just start doing something. You don't need to finish it. You don't need to look at the project and say, well, I don't know how to do this, 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 and this. Look at a project that you want to complete and say, I know how to do this. I'm okay at that. I'm not sure about this area. So let's start with what I do know. Let's finish that aspect. And then let's start looking things up and building the rest of the project uh, from there that you don't know how to do. And that's what I've personally done. That's how I learn a lot of things is I learn the basics from tutorials and then I pick some project, something really simple. It could be tic-tac-toe. You know, it doesn't need to be these massive, huge projects and just start working on them. And as soon as I hit a road bump, I take a step back and I look up exactly what I need for that road bump learn it and then I never forget that because I've applied that to the project I've applied my learning and now you know I'm stepping out of the tutorial hell where what I'm doing is I'm taking the value and the information from that tutorial and applying it to something and that's what you need to do and if you want ideas for projects I have all kinds of videos I literally have like five or six videos that just talk about Python projects to work on so please just work on projects work on something Another good way you could try to do this is even working on programming problems, like going to a site like LeetCode and trying to do easy problems. Uh, that will allow you at least to start thinking because what you want to really train yourself to do is be able to think, not just how to write the code down, which is what I think a lot of people get lost with. Programming is a lot more about how your brain functions and tackles problems than it is about actually just typing the code out in you know, a Word document or in an IDE or something like that. So that's my tips for that. Awesome. All right. So next question also coming from YouTube, another top comment. How did you learn machine learning and neural network on your own? And what are the resources that you use specifically for those? Yeah. So that's a good question. Um, this is hard because I've been learning this over a really long time where like in my spare time, I'll just read up a little bit about neural networks or just, you know, understand a little bit more. I started learning, re getting really into machine learning in like the end of grade 12, like beginning of first year. And the way I learned this was fundamentally from being a good programmer. Because I was a good programmer, the only things I need to tackle when I wanted to start learning those was just the math and just understanding what these things do. And there's all kinds of resources online. Like literally what I would do is read Wikipedia articles and Wikipedia pages that discuss how a neural network operates. For me, I'd much rather take like a short text article. I guess Wikipedia is not short, but just take some article, read through it, skim it get the valuable information and then pick specific topics from that article that I want to learn more about and research them. So I can't really give you like a formal guide on like, yeah, this is how I learned machine learning and AI. But what I did was just took baby steps towards it. I said, okay, so what do I need to do for machine learning and AI? All right, here's some Python modules that do it. Let's check what tutorials they have on their website because that's probably a good method or a good like, you know, order to go in in terms of learning topics. So I go to like the sklearn website and I would say, all right, there's like, you know, linear regression, clustering, k-means, like that, these different topics. I would say, all right, let's try to learn those. And then one by one, I would look those topics up understand what they do from like small like articles just randomly online there was no no one centralized resource here and then as soon as i felt comfortable that i understood them i would apply the algorithm in python use one of those modules and then move on to the next one and that's just what i did and like something like neural networks for example a complex topic that was me over a few months just casually in my spare time reading wikipedia articles there's a long car ride i have okay let's you know watch a short video on what a neural network is and how it works and over time hearing a bunch of different people talk about it and having all these different resources that i've looked at allows me to compile a really good knowledge of how these things work because i'm getting perspectives from all over the place not just one resource so i can't give you one specific resource i can't say this is the best place to learn neural networks i will say my channel has a lot of resources that should at least introduce you to them but that is how I got into and how I learn it. And really how I learn anything is just casually in my spare time looking at things, trying to come up with myself, like build a curriculum for myself on what I need to learn and then diving into that curriculum and learning topic by topic in bit by bit, like little parts until I can compile all that together and understand the topic as a whole. So that's, yeah, my how I got into that. Awesome. All right. So next question coming from Clarence here. Um, is learning Python a good start for a beginner programmer? And where do you see yourself in 10 years from now? Yes. <laughs> Answer question one, yes. Python is a great language for beginners. That's just because it's a simple language. It's fairly easy to write and understand compared to English. 
and it's just fast like it's fast to get stuff done in which keeps people motivated for longer in the language because if I'm comparing it to like Java like it might take me like an hour to even just set up my Java environment get the class structure correct understand how these brackets are happening where in Python it'll take me like two minutes like I download Python comes with IDLE you know I literally run IDLE I print hello world and I've already written code so that for me is why Python is a good language for beginners. So yes, you know, I can't really reinforce that more. Just yes, Python is a great language for beginners. One of the best to learn. I personally teach it to kids. So yes, it's good. Uh, where do I see myself in 10 years? Again, this goes back to the five-year question. I don't really know. In 10 years, what am I going to be? 29, 30? I have no idea where I'm going to be then. Hopefully still running and doing this kind of social media stuff online. Hopefully still teaching Python and coding in some capacity. But if that's going to be, you know, a professor I don't think so or if I'm gonna be in a workplace environment if I'm gonna be working for like a big tech company or if I'm gonna be running my own business I really have no idea I need to figure out you know in my years when I'm young like 19 20 21 try different things see what I really like and you know learn more about myself and what I want to do so I can't answer that question right now all right awesome well I mean I think that's a great answer I started learning Python as a first language and even just with your help at the summer camp and at home it was very easy so yeah for all you out there looking to learn Python great first language to start with and just tell them how old you are and what grade you're in just so they exactly know. yeah so i'm 17 i'm in grade 11 i probably started programming when i was 14 or 15 in in my first year of high school and even just watching some of tim's tutorials online when i was going through my first programming class it really helped me go through just because the way he runs you through the fundamentals of the language it, it's really helpful because i still have all those things remembered and they're still in my brain even though i haven't programmed in over a year i could still sit down open up my ID and still write some sort of code based on the knowledge that I got from Tim. Yeah, and just to give you guys a little preface, preface here or whatever, because you don't really know Noah that well, like he's a smart kid, but he's not a programmer. Like he doesn't want to go into like tech or computer science or something like that. He's like more into like the biology and science side of things. So just take that into account. Like he doesn't program that much. Like he doesn't work on side projects on his own. He just started learning programming for high school because he was taking course and for the summer camp that we were working at where we were kind of, like I was teaching the coding, but he was helping out in there. So just keep that in mind. You know, he's a very beginner level programmer and was able to pick up Python pretty easily. So. All right. Next question. If you had to pick one thing that helped you the most in getting your Microsoft internship, what would it be? Uh, well, I mean, I think there's a very obvious answer. It's just going to be everything I've done outside of school. It's going to be the YouTube channel. It's going to be the dedication I put into posting videos, the extra time I spent learning topics that people my age don't know, the hard work I put into working on programming problems. I mean, a lot of people think that there's like this one answer, like there's a magic formula to getting a job at some of these companies. Be honest with you. I think you just genuinely need to be really good at programming and a great, you know, personality to be able to work there. Uh, and, you know, that's not to just like talk up against for myself for doing that but I think a lot of people look at it and be like okay so in one year I'm gonna go work at Microsoft y you can't time it out like that you need to say what level do I need to get at in terms of competency in terms of ability to solve problems to until you know I can work at a company like that uh, so for me just I would say if you want like a more specific answer communication skills is huge I think a lot of people neglect this I think there's a lot of really good programmers and I'm sure there's people listening to me right now that are much better than I am at programming and that are younger or the same age as I am what I think I have a leg up on on some of them is my ability to communicate I mean you guys can judge that based on this podcast based on my videos but going into an interview and being extremely confident in yourself and your abilities and being able to communicate and articulate a solution code everything very clearly is a huge advantage that I don't think that many people have I mean I'm gonna be honest like the programming stereotype you don't think of someone who's super articulate and super you know good at explaining things and being really social and having like you know laughing with the interviewers and stuff like that which is what I was doing at my interview like I was just really confident like I talk all the time in front of a screen you know I know my abilities and I'm just you know good at communicating and I think that helped me the most because even though I wasn't the most talented guy there I'm sure they'd seen better programmers than me they understood that hey we can work with this guy we can teach him he's gonna be you know a pleasant person around the office he can explain a solution and that's something that helped me a ton and that came from practicing communicating I was not this good when I was 14 or 15 but by posting videos almost every single day on YouTube doing podcasts like this you learn how to articulate your thoughts clearly which helped me tremendously so that's what I'm gonna say is the number one thing that helped me get into Microsoft was really just being a good confident communicator all right, so the next question, touching on somewhat of a controversial topic here, 
we have one person asking, why is it necessary to go to university and spend a lot of money on the fees when we can just use that money for doing some courses related to programming online? Sure. So I think this depends on region for sure. I'm going to talk about this in like a North American standpoint, because I know in Europe um, and like the EU and stuff like that, I guess that's the same thing. Uh, they have different like different ways the university works. Some of them are free. You get, you know, discounted. It doesn't cost ten or twenty thousand dollars a year like it does in North America. Uh, but why? I mean, there's a lot of different reasons. University gives you a lot of things that, you know, some online course taught by some random instructor might not. And that could be, you know, structured curriculum like you have actual things you need to get done you know there's no excuse you can't not wake up on friday morning for the class or if you don't wake up you know you're not you don't have any consequences for that i think what university does for a lot of people and you got to ask yourself this you know should i go or not is am i going to be motivated enough if i don't go to learn all of these courses to learn all these topics to do the things i don't want to do am i going to do that or do I need something like a structured learning environment that's going to force me and really influence me to do those courses and those topics? And that's, to me, what the big deal is. Like, yeah, you don't need to go to university. I'll never tell someone they need to enroll in a school or go do a program or put themselves in any kind of debt to do that. Anything you need to learn, you can get for free. I'm 100% guarantee you any topic, anything in the world, you can find it for free online. The question is, are you going to do that? Are you going to go and, and you know spend eight hours a day learning and doing that online and going through these courses because a lot of people just make the excuse like oh i'm just not going to go to university because i can learn online for free but are you actually going to do that are you going to spend five days a week every single day um learning right and doing those courses if you are great don't go but if you don't think you will maybe university in a structured learning environment is something you need and it also does give you a huge advantage in terms of you know that piece of paper some people argue it's useless but that is going to help you in life it is going to help you get a job it is going to prove you have some level of intelligence and competency that you can't necessarily prove just by showing a bunch of udemy courses on your resume so yeah Awesome. All right. Next question coming from Victor here. He says, hey, Tim, I'm a 15 year old programmer and not sure what I should do next. I've been coding for half a year and I feel all right in Python and I'm wondering what I should do next. Some say that it's a good idea to learn C, but I don't know. What do you think? What What did you do at that age? What should I do next? So this is going to go back to something I talked about earlier. Do things that you find are fun. Do stuff that you want to do. I mean, like, it's great to go online and to even ask me a question like that. What should you do next? But I think at an age like that, what you really should be doing is solidifying the fundamentals and doing things that you find are fun. Like this is the time in your life where no one's telling you what to program. You don't have any, well you might, but you probably don't have any like programming assignments. You probably have a lot of free time. So do some stuff that you like, you know, enjoy yourself, program, get into it. If I just literally like killed myself doing programming questions when I was young, like 15, 16, and was just preparing for the Microsoft interview, the Google interview the whole time, I probably wouldn't be programming right now or I wouldn't like it as much because it's just, you know, you put yourself through hell doing stuff you don't like. So don't focus right now when you're 15. Like it is great to think about the future and what you should learn, but don't focus on like, hey, what language do I need to do next? Like, how should I do this? Focus on doing things you enjoy. So if you enjoy learning a new language or you want to get back into the journey of like being a beginner and see um, and, you know, really learning the fundamentals and understanding how, I guess, like a more complex language works, then sure, go ahead and do that. But if you're someone who wants to make games, if you want to experiment with AI and ML, like do that. You know, if you want to do web development, do something like that. So that's my advice to you. Figure out what you like. And if you don't like something, taste a few different things. Try C for a week, then try JavaScript for a week and then try making a website. Like try all these different things. That's what I did when I was your age. I tried app development. I tried websites. I tried AI. I tried games. I tried literally everything until I found what I liked. And that is what I would recommend to you. All right. That's awesome. So next question. Can you give us a list of coding projects to try during the quarantine? Okay, so I'm not going to give you lists on this podcast because I literally have said coding projects so much. Like I get asked, this is the most asked question by far on my YouTube channel, just anywhere. Like, give me projects to work on. I need ideas. I need inspiration. I have like six or seven YouTube videos that are literally titled five beginner Python projects, five intermediate Python projects, five machine learning AI projects, five coding projects to work on during the quarantine. Like I have a video labeled that. So, uh, you know, you guys can go watch those and I guarantee you, you will have some inspiration or some ideas for something to work on. All right. Next one might be a little tough, might be going too deep into your personal life, but 
Python or girlfriend? Choose one. <laughs> Python or girlfriend. Um, I mean, I guess we'll elaborate on this. So I do not have a girlfriend, as I'm sure most of you guys have guessed. Right now, for me, just in life, that's not something that I'm really that interested in. You know, some people might find that controversial or different insight. But for me, you know, I don't need someone like by my side. Like, that's just not something that I'm looking for right now. Uh, but I think you can definitely have both Python and a girlfriend. I know many great programmers, many people that are YouTubers too, that do as much as I do, that have girlfriends. I think it just has to be, you know, the right girlfriend. Preferably one that knows how to code, but at the same time, you know, it doesn't really matter. So, yeah. All right, next one. What is your opinion on post-grad studies for fields like CS and robotics? Are you planning on eventually pursuing one? By the way, love your content. You're a big inspiration. Thank you. So first of all, thank you to whoever that was who was reading that comment, or who not was reading, but who posted that comment. Uh, thoughts on postgraduate study. So no, I'll tell you right now, there's like probably a, a very slim probability that I'm going to be doing a master's or a PhD or anything, or even a second undergrad or something like that. For me, I feel like, you know, four years for me is enough. I don't need to do more than that. There's already so many things I want to do that I can't do because I'm in school or that I just genuinely don't have enough time for. So for me, as soon as I finish those these four years, you know, I'm done. I'm out. But uh, opinion, I think it's good for some people. I think in specific fields, you need um, something like a master's or a PhD. But I also have seen the opposite, where even some people that have those kind of degrees, if you're not really good at what you do and you have a master's and a PhD, you might actually be overqualified for some positions. This seems a little weird. You would think if you have a master's or a PhD, it'd be automatically easier to get a job. But in tech, I've seen this, maybe some people can give their perspective on the comments, that... Uh, if you have that and you're not really good at what you do and you're applying for the same job as me per se, it's going to be expected that you have a higher salary because you have those requirements. And since you're not that much better than I am, they might just hire me with just an undergraduate degree because I'm like the same skill level as you without a master's and they can pay me 20 or 30 grand less a year. So that's a consideration. I think master's and PhD are good, but kind of what I've seemed to be hearing around like the Silicon Valley space, at least in the U.S., is what ends up happening is people that can't get a really good job out of um, like their undergraduate program go into a master's or PhD and then specialize in something. But again, I think if you're just a software engineer, I don't think there's any benefit in having like, of course, there's some benefit, but I don't think there's a worthwhile benefit in having you know a two years master master program in software engineering. I think you would be better off working for two years at a company. I think you'd learn more doing that than you would with a master's. Uh, but it really depends, again, like robotics. I don't know anything about robotics. So maybe you need a master's in robotics to be good at it. Maybe you need a PhD in that or something. Again, I don't really know, but that's my just random perspective on that. All righty, next question is coming from Trig. He says, hey, Tim, I was wondering at what point it is deemed necessary to jump to a new language. I've been thinking about starting to learn JavaScript, but I don't know when I should. So this is interesting. At what point is it deemed to jump to a new language? So there's no definitive answer for this, obviously. And again, this goes with what you want to do. You know, if you know yourself really well and you know, like, this is language I want to use forever. Um, do you need to jump to a new one? Probably not. What I would recommend if you are looking to jump to a new language is to jump to one that's completely different than the language you're learning right now. It might seem counterproductive, but I think if you're learning something like Python, per se, learning a language like Java, not JavaScript, Java, might actually be beneficial. That's because you kind of get introduced to a somewhat different paradigm and there's some different features in like the Java language or the C++ or the C language, for example, that are going to teach you new things about programming that you won't learn in the same paradigm language. So this is a bad example, but in my uh, university, we're in a class called Programming Paradigms and we're learning four different programming languages. So Java, Golang, Scheme, and Prolog. Now, you probably are like, wow, those are ancient programming languages other than Go, obviously. Yes, you're correct. But the point of learning these languages is not to necessarily use them. It's to understand the different topics and logic that are involved in them so that you can appreciate the different styles of programming. So for me, what I would say is there's no point you need to jump to a new language. But if you're interested in potentially exploring some different areas of programming that aren't just Python related, like you want to learn C or you want to learn C++, it's only going to benefit you to do that, and I would highly recommend you learn a language that's not the same paradigm or the same style as the language you know right now. So jumping to a more difficult language like C++ or Java will probably help you be a better programmer in Python. I don't know if that's the language you use. I forget if it was said in the comments or not. Um, so that's kind of my take on that is having a little bit of a taste of these different languages makes you a better programmer because you understand the different styles and ways of doing things and you can bring that into pretty much any language you learn.
Awesome. All right. Now, Codebyte is wondering which OS you would recommend for programming. Which OS? So, I mean, this really depends on what type of programming you do. Like, you make an iOS apps, guess what? You're probably going to need a Mac. Um, so, it really depends. You're using Python a lot. Linux is probably your go-to. Me, personally, I have every single OS. So, I have, like, a MacBook. I actually have two MacBooks, or a MacBook Air and a MacBook Pro. I have a big Windows computer here that dual boots with Ubuntu, and then I have another laptop that has an Ubuntu OS on it. So... Hard question. Depends on what you're doing. I like Linux. I think it's simple. I like the Unix-based systems, so Mac. But I also do like Windows. Uh, but I would say probably, like, to generalize, probably some Linux distribution is the best to program on. Awesome. All right. Now, next question here. Hi, Tim. What do you think are some core habits that all programmers should develop? Not just code-related habits, but also things like healthiness, attitude, and discipline. Sure. sure. Um Okay, so I've got to have to think about that one. So first I would say think first, code second. That's probably one of the habits I have now is think about the problem, think about what you're trying to do, think about the project, um, you know, abstract it out into smaller components that you can solve one by one and then solve them with code. That's probably a really good habit for code. In terms of lifestyle, appetite, all, all those things, I mean, you know, you got to take breaks, you got to take care of yourself. You're only as good as your body. Like if your body's falling apart when you're sitting at the computer, yeah, maybe you can sustain that for a year or two or a few years. But I think as you get older, um, that's really going to hurt you a lot. So I think, you know, keeping fit for me, something I definitely need to do more of. But uh, getting up early in the morning is a big deal. That's what I do as I don't know if this is really necessarily for programmers, but just lifestyle in general. For me, what really did change my life was getting up early, like getting up an hour or two before you start your actual day, like your work day or whatever it is that you're going to do gives you some time to just think about things, relax, have a cup of coffee, uh, and get into a mindset where you're just prepared to take on the day. Uh, and that's, I think, something that's good for programmers specifically. It's one thing to get up and just jump right on the computer and start programming. For me, I think it's beneficial to take like an hour to yourself, relax, you know, maybe do a little workout, maybe do something that like eat a good breakfast, like just set yourself up for success for the rest of the day. Uh, and that's something that is a good habit that I've started to try to build. I've kind of broke out of it now. I had a big change moving from uni back home and all of that. But uh, anyways, that's like a good habit. And then, yeah, just remembering to eat. Like I definitely have times where, you know, I can sit at a computer for eight hours without eating anything, without going to the washroom, without doing that. But that's not healthy, right? And you're just kind of <laughs> like, you're, you're probably going to be more productive by getting up and going for a five minute walk every two hours than if you just grind constantly without any breaks. So that's my rambly advice on uh, what you should do with that. It was kind of a lot of potential ways I could answer that. So, yeah. All right. Awesome. Next question here. Um, we have a subscriber who says, I'm doing a master's in biochemistry. I'm interested in, a, in data science, a part of my major's project, but I have a few problems in where and how to start. Do I need to be really good at math? Okay. So data science is different than machine learning AI. I am not a data scientist. I don't claim to be a data scientist. I don't know a lot about statistics, so it's hard for me to really answer that for you. Uh, but I will say that no, you do not need to be really good at math, but you should understand math uh, and you should be able to look at mathematical equations and, you know, with a little bit of struggling, figure out what they're doing and why they work. That's what I say with machine learning and AI and all these kind of fields, you don't need to be like a god at math. You don't need to be like a math major. You don't even have to have done those classes, but you have to be willing to learn the math and understand why things work. Rather than just implementing something because you've been told that it works, understand why it works will help you a lot. And that's uh, that's kind of my tips on that. I don't really know to tell you where to start. Like, I don't know what you're doing for your master's project. Uh, there's so many different ways to get into data scientists. Uh, probably just finding some courses online. There's probably someone who's made a video like how to get started with data science that you could watch that would probably give you better insight than what I can tell you right now. But no, you don't need to be god at math. Just be willing to learn the math and try your best to understand why things work, not just implement them. Awesome. All right, next question here. Yo, Tim, what, what are some things you do when you're not coding or you're off your computer? Is there any genre or books you like, anime, TV shows, and what inspires you the most? And what's one thing that keeps you going? What's one thing that keeps me going? What inspires me the most? What do I like to do? A lot of little questions inside of there. Uh, so yeah. what do I like to do when I'm not coding? I mean, it really depends. Like, I obviously like hanging out with my friends. I like playing games. Like, I play a little bit of video games. Like, you know, I used to play a bit of Fortnite. I played PUBG, CSGO, 
what am I playing right now? I don't know. There's like all, all those kind of games. Like I just like those classic games. I never, I'm never that good at them. I just enjoy playing and hanging out with my friends doing that. I really like fishing. That's what I do in kind of the summer, fall months. So I'll go with my dad. We'll go for a week, a weekend. You guys might have seen that on my Instagram and you might have seen me talk about that in some YouTube videos, stuff like that. Uh, but my w life is really, you know, closely centered around tech, right? So this is a business like this business takes up a lot of time. So I don't have that much free time where I'm not programming. I'm not, you know, working on business deals or sponsorships or things like that. So I can't really, you know, tell you much more than that. Then I enjoy hanging out with my friends. I try to reserve my nights like after 7 p.m. to do things that I enjoy. I like watching movies, TV shows. You know, I'm just a normal guy. I just work hard when I'm working during the day. Awesome. All right. So this next one comes from a high school student, and he's asking if you think that building small web applications with Flask will give him useful career skills for software engineering. Yeah. So that's a very specific question. I think doing anything will give you useful career skills, uh, like any kind of programming, any kind of application, any kind of practice is going to help you. So the fact that it's Flask doesn't really, you know, that doesn't really even like, that doesn't matter to me, the fact that you're doing it with Flask. I'm going to say Flask is not that well used in the industry. There's probably like a few companies that use it. I say Django is definitely a more worthwhile module if you really want to get good at like web development uh, backend with Python. But I don't know how old you are. I don't know what you're looking to do. I would say focus on just doing stuff. And if you're working on small web apps with Flask, you know, I think that that's a great start. And from there, you're just going to learn more, more, more. You can go to Django. You'll have a bunch of projects you can show potential employers. I think that's a useful thing. Um, I don't know if it's going to give you useful career skills per se. It really depends on what career you're going to get into and what job you're going to have. So, Awesome. All right. Next question coming from Miguel here. It's kind of a long one. How do you learn a new language or framework? Do you watch tutorials, go through the documents, or do you make a project and you Google what you need like as you're going through? And then he's also wondering if you're currently making any projects with all this free time that we have during the COVID situation. Yeah, sure. So um, I get asked this a lot, like, how do I learn things? Because clearly, you know, I have a domain knowledge of programming Python modules. How do I actually get into them and start learning them? For me, uh, I've kind of at the point where I'm pretty good at learning. Now, this seems like a weird thing to say, but the more you learn, the more you go out on your own and teach yourself things, the better you get at doing that, right? And you learn very quickly how you learn and you understand the resources you should use to learn the fastest and most effective way. For me, what I do specifically, and I'm not recommending this, I'm just telling you what I do, is literally just skim through documentation and try things out. I have somewhat of an ability, maybe it's unique, I don't know, uh, where I can just kind of look at things and almost immediately understand and be able to use them. Like I can read through the Flask documentation and after reading through the Flask documentation, have a really good understanding of how Flask works and be able to start explaining certain aspects of it. So what I'll usually do because I, like a 20 minute video is not something I'm usually going to watch unless I'm struggling with a topic is go to like blog posts, documentation, find things that are brief, but that explain well and just read through them and then build kind of an understanding of the topic in my own head, find areas that I don't quite understand and then reinforce those. So let's say I'm learning, you know, the Kiwi module. I'll go to the Kiwi documentation. I'll look at, first of all, the examples they have. I'll see, okay, what examples have they done using Kiwi that I think I could digest? I'll skim through the code, I'll read through it and try to have a general overview of what the language is. From there, I'll try to break down, okay, it seems like there's these different things. Then I'll go to the documentation page and I'll start learning the things that I want to learn. So I'll say, okay, I probably don't care about that. I don't care about that. This seems useful. That seems useful. Let's learn that. Read through the documentation, have a Python window open on the right hand side of my screen, try some different things, try some things that aren't in the documentation. And then from there, I kind of just understand it and I kind of just know what to do. But that has come with me reading, you know, thousands of, page of pages of documentation, watching tons of videos, like going through so many different things. I'm just at the point where I know what my brain needs to learn information and I just give it that. Uh, and it's hard to tell you, you know, advice on how to learn a new module or topic. Uh, for most people, it's going to be watching a video and hearing someone explain it. But for someone like me, who's done that so much, uh, it's just really easy to go to some kind of text-based document, skim through it really quickly, pick out the information I need and, you know, conceptualize that and understand the topic. Awesome. All right. The next question is actually one that I'm kind of curious about as well. 
So uh, this subscriber is saying, if you didn't take up coding, if you didn't go into computer science, what profession would you have pursued? Yeah, so this is an interesting one. I've thought about this before. Uh, I would like to say something like aerospace engineering or something like that, something to do with like rockets, spaceships, like, you know, studying like extraterrestrial life, like getting, you know, like what Elon Musk is doing, for example, with SpaceX and all of that, like that really interests me. Like I would love to work at that company or any, you know, Elon company for that matter. Uh, and I've just always been really interested in exploring the possibilities beyond like human life. Like I like talking about that stuff. I like thinking about the idea of, you know, aliens and of making these mass engineering projects that can take us to other planets. So I considered that when I was younger, potentially doing something like that. So that's probably what I would do. I don't know if I would necessarily be in school doing that. I don't know if I would be an aerospace engineer. And aerospace engineering just means like designing rocket ships and stuff like that. That's my basic understanding of it at least. But it's something I definitely would, you know, want to pursue and that I do look into. Like I'll read physics documents. Uh, one of my roommates is a physics major. Like we have conversations all the time because I'm just really interested in how things work, why they work, and exploring like space and what's not on Earth and what's above us that we don't yet know about. So yeah. Awesome. All right. Next next question, two in one. Uh, what's a good site or app where I can interact with people in the programming community? I would like to exchange ideas with people and meet other programmers online. And number two, do you believe artificial intelligence is good or bad? Because there's kind of a debate around it where people are worried about the machines becoming more intelligent than humans. Yeah. So the AI one is kind of a whole tangent on its own, but I'll answer the first question and I'll go into that briefly. Um, so is there a good app or place to meet other programmers and build projects and stuff like that. I think you need to just get involved in communities and that's what you're asking about. But for me personally, like we have a Tech With Tim Discord community has about 5,500 members. There's a link in the description, you can join that. Like just going to even popular YouTube channels, people that you like and joining their community and getting active even just in the comment section and things like that is a great way to get to know new people and meet new people, right? So like Discord, I think is the best example I can give you. Like even just my Discord example, our Discord server, if you go in there and say, hey, I'm looking for a project to work on or I'm looking for a partner, I want some ideas, I guarantee you people will answer you, you'll have some conversations. But it's hard for me to really give any more examples than that. I don't know any really good like apps where you can go on and just communicate with other programmers. Maybe like Stack Overflow? I don't know. Like there's just all these different places that you could go to. I think it's you need to take the initiative to join some different communities find places that you would want to interact with and just start interacting like you like my youtube channel leave a comment down below and say hey does anyone else want to work on a project like do things like that and that's how you start meeting people and making connections online and i think from there that's that's all you need awesome all right now tim what would you recommend to learn about programming slash computer science in general before college as much as you can, as much as you find interesting. Um, that's like a lot of people want really specific answers to this. And it's hard to give those because it varies person by person. What I would recommend learning before college be fundamental programming skills. I don't think you should enter a college classroom if you have not written code before. So what I'd recommend is learn the basics of programming. Pick a language that you think your college is going to teach or even not. It doesn't matter if it's one they're teaching or not. In fact, it might even be better to learn your own language so then you're not just, you know, the average student that only knows what you've been taught in, uh, in university. You have other languages that you're really good at. But if you have the fundamental skills, your first year CS class is going to be a walk. It's going to be really easy. And you're just going to have like, you're going to build a confidence in programming because you're going to be good at that class. You're going to learn new things from it as well, but you're going to have a really strong foundation that will hopefully help carry you through uh, the rest of university in these easier classes so you can build on it. A lot of people get lost in, in college first year because they've never written code before and they go really fast because they're like, well, you know, your first year of university, you're in computer science, most of you already know how to code, so we're gonna speed through this begin beginner coding process, right? Beginner coding course. So if you can at least get the fundamentals down, uh, understand what coding is, like this is an IDE, this is a text editor, this is how I run code, just things like that that are just time consuming that are gonna take you a while if you haven't done it before, you're gonna be set up for success for at least that first semester in that first year of college. Awesome, all right, now, what is your mindset when writing comments on code? 
because Hype Rock here has been coding for a while, but he always feels like his comments are either too long or too vague. Do you have any tips about writing comments on code? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, it really depends what you're coding, who you're coding for. It's a good habit, obviously, to write comments. I always write doc strings, so doc strings in Python, at least, to describe what a specific method or function is going to do. There is actually strict guidelines on how long comments should be and where you should put them in the style guidelines of specific languages. So, for example, Python PEP 8 has style guidelines for comments, so where they should be placed, how you should place them, how you should write them. I'm not going to like cite that, but you can read through that and figure that out for yourself. But it really is just based on, like, if you're going to write a comment, look at the comment and say, does this add any value to reading this code? Because the whole objective of comments is for someone, maybe even yourself, who's reading through this code to be able to understand it better and know exactly what it's doing. So if you've written really clean code that works well, that's really readable, that's self-explanatory, which is good code, then you don't need to comment it. In fact, commenting it may actually make it more confusing because now you've added this you know, little line. Your code made perfect sense, and now you've added something to it that's maybe slightly vague or doesn't make a little bit of sense, and people are going to focus on the comment because that's you know what you've added there. Uh, it might make it more confusing. So it really depends. The whole point of a comment is to add value to make it easier to understand what your code is doing. So just consider that when you're writing them and say, does this comment that I have add any value to someone reading this block? If it doesn't, don't have it. If it does, leave it in, right? And you don't want to be commenting like every line, but you want to comment every you know few. You want to comment at like the end of a very long block of code that might be confusing to understand. But that's all I can really give you for that. And you're just going to get better with that the more you practice and write better code, right? All right, now this question, it's the last one of this Q&A. I think it's a really good one to end us off here. And it says, hey, Tim, if you were able to say anything to your younger slash past self, what would it be? Sure. So this isn't going to be related directly to coding. This is just going to be a general lifestyle mindset advice for everyone. And I guess to my past self, um, stop caring what other people think of you. That would be what I would say to my younger self. And a lot of people will take this out of context. I think it's important that the people in your life that you care about, you know, that you have a good reputation to them, that they care about you, that they, you know, think of you highly, I don't know, something like that. But I think that a lot of people obsess over their public image, the way that they appear to people they may not even be friends with, and they judge activities that they do themselves that may make them happy and don't do them because they think other people are going to judge them. And I know in high school, everyone has some kind of like identity crisis where, you know, they don't know who they are, they don't understand or something like that. Or they have this like this idea that like all these people around them are judging them. They hate them. They don't like them. They're making fun of them. If I, I would tell myself in high school specifically to just do what I want to do enjoy life for myself and for the people that I care about and just forget about the people that you know might judge you or might make fun of you and don't make life decisions or any decisions for that matter based on what they do you know I wouldn't be I wouldn't have this YouTube channel right now if I really really cared what people thought of me because the, the thing is right like people are so judgmental they're like anything you do they're gonna just be negative about they're gonna make fun of you they're gonna say things and you can't live your life on that basis where you're you know, making decisions based on what people you don't even care about think of you. And that is just what I would tell myself. It's what I tell people who are older than me. It's what I tell everyone. Stop caring what other people think of you, unless, you know, they're your close family, relatives, people you actually care about, and uh, and just live life for yourself. And I mean, that sounds like a selfish thing to say, but the reality is everyone else is doing that. You know, look around. Everyone else is out for themselves. Of course, care about your family, your friends, all of that, but stop making decisions based on, you know, what the bully in fourth grade is saying about you at lunchtime and I understand there's some balance with this but it really is what changed my life is when I started thinking about myself what I want to do what makes me happy and not what other people are going to think of my happiness and that's like the biggest thing I would say is just you know become self-aware understand what is important to you what you care about in life and focus on that because does anyone else's opinion really matter if you're having a good time and you're happy doesn't to me you know the three guys that comment on this video or dislike it I don't really care about their opinion. I'm sorry, you know, I'll listen to it, but I don't really care if he goes to bed and he's swearing my name and saying that I'm giving him bad advice. So that's my opinion. That's what I would tell my former self. And I think you're right, Noah. That was a good question to end off with. Nice. So with that, we're going to end the podcast here. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope I gave you some insight into my life. If you guys enjoy these kind of Q&A questions, feel free to leave some more. Maybe we'll do another one. What did you guys think of Noah? First time seeing my brother on the podcast. Love to hear some comments down below. With that being said, I hope you all enjoyed. If you did, make sure you leave a like, subscribe to the channel, and I will see you in another podcast or YouTube video.